0: Hi, this is Pastor Tamara Kraft from Revival Fire for Kids with an Ignite Kidman podcast. If you want your students to experience revival and the glory of God and become radical followers of Jesus, this is the podcast for you. Join us today as we start the journey, and I'll let you in on my story and experiences in Kidman. Hold on tight. You never know what the Holy Spirit is planning. Hi, this is Tamara Kraft. For the next few weeks, I'm going to share excerpts of a podcast I interview I did with my publishing company about my curriculum, Building Pentecostal Foundations. Today's curriculum is The Christmas Tree Advent. If you would like to buy the Christmas tree advent, I'm going to give you a code to get 20% off until the end of November. The code is CHRISTMAS1, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S-1.
1: This is Michelle Levine. And this is Tamerlane Craft. And this week... And for the next several episodes of Books on the Ridge, I'm going to be flying solo because our special guest to be interviewed is none other than our beloved Tamra Lynn Craft, fellow guilty party at Mount Zion Ridge Press. And we're going to be talking to Tamra from the other side of the desk as an author of Children's Curriculum. Welcome, Tamra.
0: I'm so excited to be on this podcast. It's just a dream
1: come true. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Let's make sure it's not a nightmare. (laughs) I'm
0: afraid.
1: (laughs) Be afraid. Be very afraid, people. (laughs) Okay, let's get started. Tamara's Biography. Pastor Tamara Kraft has been a children's pastor for over 30 years. She's the director of a ministry called Revival Fire for Kids, where she mentors other children's leaders, teaches workshops, and is a children's ministry consultant and children's revivalist. She's a recipient of the 2007 National Children's Leaders Association's Shepherd's Cup for Lifetime Achievement in Children's Ministry. Tamara hosts a children's ministry podcast called Ignite Kid Men, available on most podcast providers, and provides coaching and resources for Ignite Kid Men patron subscribers. Find out more about this at RevivalFire4Kids.com. Tamara also goes to churches all over the country and does children's revivals, teacher training, and children's ministry consultations. You can find out more about Revival Fire for Kids at revivalfire4kids.com. Okay, in this first episode, we're going to be talking about Tamara's newest curriculum, the Christmas Tree Advent. Maybe we should back up a little bit, tell us a little bit about Building Foundations Curriculum why did you decide we needed another children's church curriculum and how is building foundations different from the others? Well,
0: most children's church curriculum nowadays is either behavior modification or let's go to Disneyland in children's church because it's more one size fits all. It fits whatever denomination, whatever belief, whatever Uh, doctrine you have so basically what they do is they water things down and teach kids how to be good they don't really teach kids how to have a relationship with jesus christ and my building foundations curriculum was written because i don't adhere to that and i never have first of all we go with discipleship and doctrinal foundations and because I am Pentecostal, I also emphasize the presence of God and the relationship with God, not head knowledge. And I create the curriculum that fits Pentecostal services, which sometimes are longer than the average
1: evangelical church service. OK, well, you mentioned not being Disney. What exactly do you mean by Disney? I I can imagine considering how Disney is changing Things like the Marvel universe, but what do you what do you mean by not Disney?
0: Well, Sam Luke, who is a children's ministry blogger, summed it up really well. Basically, the mentality of church nowadays is we have to bring kids in and we have to make sure they have fun. So they want to come back. And so we do things big and over the top like Disney does. And that's what I mean by Disney, not the bad stuff even about Disney, but the over the top stuff. We want to make things over the top. So kids will have fun. And basically the only thing they learn by the time they're 12 and get out of children's church is God loves them. Well, truthfully, they should know God loves them when they get out of the preschool department. Children's Church is a time to learn doctrinal truths that go far beyond that, to go deeper in their faith. And basically, what they are doing is creating an illiterate group of children when they graduate from Children's Church, that all they know is a few Bible stories like Noah's
1: Ark and Jonah and the Whale, and maybe David and Goliath. Absolutely. They need to, to be able to apply. The things that they're going to need. Well, when you were in, and you and I were in high school, we learned things like that, and we should have been prepared for when we went to college because we we're going to be attacked in college. Our beliefs were going to be attacked if we didn't go to a Christian school. Well, the kids are getting their beliefs attacked in elementary school now. That's right. So that it's it's absolutely necessary, and unfortunately, we can't depend on the parents to teach the kids because the parents might not know the basic foundations they're depending on the sunday school to teach them the foundations
0: and if all they know is that god loves them they're going to be hurting when people say well god loves me too even though i'm not following him even though i haven't given my life to him what makes me any different you know
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so big question why did you write the christmas tree advent what makes it stand out from other allegedly Christmas-themed uh, curriculum for the children? Most Christmas curriculum for kids is light and fluffy and
0: teaches the traditional Christmas story, including all the inaccuracies. <laughs> this curriculum does that too, as far as teaching the Christmas story. But it goes deeper and shows kids what the first advent Christ's first coming is all about and how it affects their lives and their relationship with God. We don't perpetuate the myths around Christmas, but we do teach about why certain traditions are practiced by Christians and how they came
1: about. And we teach what Christmas is really all about. Well, I was lucky enough to read this curriculum because I got to edit it. That's right, so I know I know what I know what's, what it contains, and some of it's fascinating, and things I didn't even know. Okay, part of your curriculum is celebrating Christmas and using the Christmas tree and the decorations to illustrate Christ's first advent. Many people think the Christmas tree came out of the Druid tree worship. So can you talk ca- talk to us about that particular question and maybe an objection people might have? A lot of Christians are coming against Christmas
0: now because they say, well, it's a druid holiday that we just adopted and, and the trees are druid trees and, and they don't understand the real history behind the Christmas tree. And uh, one thing I wanted to do was point that out so that when people say things like that, the kids would understand why they really use a Christmas tree in their celebration. Druids did worship trees and the winter solstice and many Christians have been taught the Christmas tree and even the date of Christmas came from a mixture of the two, but that's not exactly true. And it's sad that this misunderstanding in history keeps some Christians fighting the celebration of Christ's birth, which we should be celebrating. Uh, First about the date. It is true Christ was not born on December 25th. When Druids became Christians, they wanted to celebrate Christ's birth, not the winter solstice, so they picked a date. But we don't know when Christ was born. If we did, we could make sure we picked the right date to celebrate his birth on. But the important thing is to celebrate the first coming of Christ, not what date we celebrate. So to me, that doesn't even enter into it. But as far as the tree, we decorate evergreens. The Druids worship oak trees. There are many stories about the origin of the Christmas tree. One of my favorites is about Boniface and the Thor's oak. This happened in 700 AD, and Boniface was a missionary to Germany, where the Druids worshipped oak trees. So in 725, to stop their sacrifices of their sacred Donner Oak, Boniface chopped down the tree. Well, that really upset them. But the story goes with one mighty blow, he failed the massive oak. And as the tree split, a beautiful young fir tree sprang from its center. He told the people that this lovely evergreen with its branches pointing to heaven was indeed a holy tree, the tree of the Christ child, a symbol of his promise of eternal life. And he instructs them to carry the evergreen from the wilderness into their homes and to surround it with gifts, symbols of love and kindness. So that's why we have a Christmas tree. But that's just one instance. One thing that all these things have in common is the Druids worshipped oak trees. But we use evergreens to symbolize Christ's birth. And uh, we do that for many reasons. First of all, Jesus gives eternal life just as the evergreen is eternally green. And Christ was hung on a tree to forgive us of our sins. So these traditional trees also symbolize that. And every decoration we put on the Christmas tree Was started by a Christian, the traditional decorations, anyway, was started by a Christian who used those decorations to symbolize something in the Christmas story. So rather than teach that Christmas is wrong, I prefer to teach why we celebrate. And throughout the Old Testament, God commanded his people to celebrate these great events that happened Christ's first advent, his birth is one of the
1: greatest reasons to celebrate. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking about, well, my, my brother teaches younger children in our church and I have to help him with his, read the curriculum to him because he's dyslexic. But there's so much that they offer to the children um, for, for telling the Bible stories. And there's so much that the kids need to learn and the application. And making the, um, the curriculum um, relevant to the season, I th- think is very important just to fight anything that the children are going to be getting in school or any kind of, you know, social clubs they might belong to. I know years ago, there was a trend, put Christ back in Christmas. Yes. And we need, we need to keep doing that. So is there anything else Um, that you want to point out about the Christmas tree Advent that makes your Christmas children's church curriculum different from what's out there right now?
0: Well, first we teach the meaning of Advent. Advent means coming. So Christmas is the first Advent or coming of Christ to the earth when he was born. And so we're celebrating his first Advent. Too many evangelicals, away from the advent word and the advent candles and celebrations they don't understand the symbolism but it's an important part of celebrating christmas as christmas also we talk about the different traditions for celebrating and teach what they represent that way the children know why they put different balls on the christmas tree why they put an angel or a star on top why they use an evergreen tree, all these different things, they understand the Christian symbolism behind each of them. We also teach the real Bible story. For instance, the wise men didn't show up until a year or two after Christ was born. They were not at the manger scene, although it makes a pretty nativity. (laughs) And the Bible doesn't say how many there were, Only that they brought three types of gifts. It's important to teach children the true story and not add all these fables. Because if we only teach half truths, when they find out the real truth, they'll think of the Christmas story as a fairy tale. Uh, We don't want to do that. We want to teach them the truth. But most importantly, we teach how Christmas affects these children and their relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) i remember getting in arguments with people who were adamantly against having the wise men in the nativity scene and other people who were like you're gutting the christmas story you can't you have to have and it's like it's right there in scripture (laughs) it says and and somebody pointed out that in in with the shepherds it's the baby But with the wise men, it's the child and his mother in the house, which means they moved. I mean, did you take do you take a newborn child and and move him? Absolutely. (laughs) And you know what? I have wise men
0: in my nativity scene, too. But what I do is I put them outside of the manger scene where the shepherds are. Uh They're coming toward the Christ
1: child (laughs) on their way, but not. Not there yet. Not there yet. (laughs) Not quite there yet. (laughs) Okay. So how long did it take you to put the curriculum together? Did you do a lot of research ahead of time or was this research you already had maybe waiting that you you had read somewhere, you put it aside saying this is going to be useful someday? Did you set out doing research and did you learn anything that you didn't know as you were putting the book together?
0: Well, first about how long it took. I have blogged and taught all of this so long because I've, before I was a children's evangelist, I was a children's pastor for 20 years. And I researched and taught this constantly because we had some old biddies in our church who didn't want to celebrate Christmas and didn't think there should be a Christmas tree. And so I did research all this years and years ago. So when I actually sat down to write, it only took me about a month, but that is
1: not the norm. (laughs) (laughs) You were prepared. I was
0: prepared in this case. But as far as what I learned that I didn't know, one of the most exciting things I learned was about the wise men. The wise men were from the east, so many people think, oh, China or, or the Orient or something like that, but it's more likely they came from Persia, and I read somewhere many years earlier the prophet Daniel was in charge of these wise men and probably taught him to expect the king of kings that was born, going to be born in Bethlehem. That may not be true, but it's more likely than some Chinese people just figured it out (laughs) So when they didn't know anything about it. So
1: it's fun to speculate. I can imagine people over the years coming up with different ideas. So we need to get down to the little technical details, the people who are interested in using this curriculum, which is available now. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we have it available in PDF and in book form, and buying the book will give you access to all the resources. So, what can you tell us about the downloadable resources and the crafts that go along with the curriculum?
0: As far as the downloadable resources and crafts, I do that in all my curriculum because it's very difficult to put it all in one bundle where they can buy. So what I will do is I will have a link and in this curriculum, I even have a QRL code they could use to uh, get to the downloadable resources that are on Dropbox. And in those downloadable resources, we have family devotion handouts that they can give to their students to take home so their family can do devotions based on what they've learned that week. We also have Different media, JPEG images that they can use with the different verses on them, uh, rules, uh, JPEG image they can use as their opening slide if they use a, a video presentation program like ProPresenter or PowerPoint or whatever they use, you know, whatever they use this will work, they could even print off the color photos if they want, if they have no program to use. But they they also have directions to make crafts. because as we are decorating the tree or going through all these decoration activities during the curriculum, there are times where it's appropriate for the kids to make their own decorations. And so we do have instructions for that there too. We also have the five rule slides, which are, uh, the rules for Children's Church that they can use with the curriculum theme on the rules, like the rules are: sit up straight, listen up, hush up, don't get up and run around, and worship up. So that are those are our five ups.
1: I thought those were they're cute, and I wish I wish some of my Sunday school teachers had applied those rules when I was in Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I know the answer to this question, but of course we're asking this to educate our listeners. Once this book is out, what are you, what are you working on right now? What are your plans for the near future for next year? Are you going to be having more curriculum since you did Christmas? Are you going to be having an Easter focused curriculum or is that something you haven't considered yet? I am planning
0: on working for a while on curriculum only before I start another novel. There are a number of curriculum quarters I still want to write. In fact, I have them all laid out in my OneNote of different ones I want to write and the the lessons I would put in each one. And I have parts of some of them already written and just lots of things like that. But next, it'll either be a drama-based Easter curriculum, which I might use video clips for the dramas so that teachers can use the video clips if they don't have people to do the skits or they can use the skits,
1: make it easy. That sounds fun.
0: I also want to do something on spiritual warfare, but I am not doing the armor of God, 12 lessons on the armor of God. I, I probably will do the armor of God in it, but i want to go a lot deeper cuz there's a lot more to spiritual warfare that children never learn because all they ever learn is the armor of god cuz it's easy cuz there's a checklist <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i want to write about spiritual warfare i think it's something that children really need right now is to learn how to spiritually discern for themselves And in this world we live in, unfortunately, that's needed more and more at a younger age. Yeah. I also want to write at some point a book for children's ministers, a manual on how to have a spirit-filled children's ministry and how to lead kids into the presence of God. And I used to do this program in one of the churches where I was a children's pastor that was a discipleship program to teach children how to do ministry. And I would love to write up a manual for like a midweek ministry club maybe uh, to teach kids how to do different ministries in the church. And uh, when we did this club, it was really awesome because I didn't need any workers in my children's church, no matter how big my children's church got, because the kids were doing all the jobs. I basically, that sounds needed, efficient the, I just basically needed an adult to coordinate everything and take
1: kids to the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> that's important, yes.
0: but it, it, I really would like to package this
1: into a form where other churches could do it too. That's that's but, needed. Yes. We spent a lot of time on the new, the new curriculum. And I'm sure our readers are going to find it fascinating, especially the Sunday school teachers among our readers and listeners. So we want to thank everybody for listening to this episode and please stay tuned. Keep checking in each week because we're talking about more of the curriculum that Tamara has created and offers through Mount Zion Ridge Press. We've got the journey coming up, building a place for God's glory and power tools. And you'll find them all fascinating. So thanks for listening. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, one and all.
0: If you enjoyed this Ignite Kidman podcast, subscribe and click the bell or notification button. If you would like more resources and curriculum for your children's ministry, or would like to schedule an event, check out RevivalFireForKids.com consider becoming a patron and receive monthly zoom calls online support and children's ministry resources at revivalfireforkids.com ignite until next time